God uses our suffering as the gateway to bring salvation and hope to others. Know that it is a mysterious gift of God to advance His gospel so that we can identify with the suffering and the hurting around the world. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's First Person Interview. I'm Wayne Shepard, and my guest is the president and founder of His Bridge Builders based in Dallas, Texas, Mike Fetchner. These weekly conversations are all about the power of God at work in people's lives, changing them and leading them into unique opportunities of service in the name of Christ. And there are now more than 100 interviews archived on our website at firstpersoninterview.com, which you can listen to at any time. Once again, we're found online at firstpersoninterview.com, or you may choose to visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Well, based in Dallas, His Bridge Builders is a movement of God uniting Christians across cities to restore urban communities through health and education, as well as economic and, of course, spiritual development. And as you'll learn today, Mike Fetchner was called of God to start this ministry through some very compelling and difficult circumstances. I met Mike in his office in Dallas to talk about it. Well, it's great to be with you today. And I guess that I can start with just a simple statement that God works in mysterious ways. And when Jesus says he is the way, I want people to understand he really is the way. And even when life takes curves and bends and and goes in valleys, there's a beautiful gift of our Savior who is always there and always leading. And so I can say that in my own life, uh, the Lord led me through a series of events in my life to begin a ministry of urban restoration called His Bridge Builders. And through that ministry, it actually planted the ministry in Romania in the valley with the gypsies in Galatia, forgotten people. And the Lord leads us to forgotten people in places to restore those for His glory. And as I was going there, I got a pain in my side, and I, I felt like there was some reason I just felt led to get a CT scan. I was never had any medical issues. I just had my gallbladder removed, but nothing before that. My doctor said, you don't need a CT scan. I said, no, it's very clear I'm supposed to get a CT scan before hmm. I go to Romania. I've been to Romania, I've been to Europe, I didn't want to go to a hospital in Romania, I can promise you. And so after they did the CT scan, uh, my doctor called me on the phone, I'll never forget it, and he said, Mike, you have lung cancer. I'm a non-smoker, never had a health issue in my life. And I remember just going into my closet, just weeping before the Lord, and just the shock of hearing the word lung cancer uh, really took me very much by surprise and just took me to my knees. Later did another CT scan, came back and said it's stage four lung cancer, Mm. and it's now in two of your lobes, possibly in your lymph system as well. But in that season of time, I can tell you that the Word of God came to me where it says in Isaiah 45, 15, truly, O God of Israel, our Savior, you work in mysterious ways. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And then Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord. Yeah. Trust in the Lord. It doesn't get with, any better than that, does With it? all mm. your heart, lean not on your own understanding. I can tell you that as I went through this journey and this journey of God, that that God laid in my heart. Uh, I had left Prestonwood Baptist Church just a few months before this amazing God family. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that because you were you were pretty comfortable in ministry, serving on the staff of a very large church in Dallas, Prestonwood. But you had just stepped out in faith when to do something else that you felt God was calling you to do when you got this diagnosis. So the key is I 
had grown in my faith through the ministry of Dr. Jack Graham, was truly called to the gospel ministry through this church. I was a young businessman, but I was living, as I say, in my own life for what most people do, money, me, and manipulation. I was like the rich young ruler and Jacob all mixed in one. And yet through the ministry of this pastor, preaching the word of God into my life, there became an awakening in my heart. And not only the awakening of the pastor preaching this dear brother in Christ, but also this welfare mom. I started going to the inner city by God's call. It wasn't because I was called to be godly. I was going to the inner city out of my carnal desires to connect with a former mayor that might help my business. So Uh, even the evil desires of our heart, God uses for good. (laughs) And in that met this prayer warrior that could pray and fast and call down heaven Well, it was in this mixture of this woman who was rich in faith and the word of God being preached into my life that came together, and this great encounter came in my late 20s, surrendered to the ministry in my early 30s, sold my business, gave away the money because I knew that was what I loved more than God. For three years, didn't even have a job because I said, I have to test and make sure this is real. And then God, by his mercy and grace, called me to work on the staff of Prestonwood Baptist Church. Eventually, I would be leading the Bible Fellowship Ministries. But after about 12 years, my right-hand lady in the ministry of his Bridgewaters that Velma and I formed together, this ministry to the city, after her son was killed in a drive-by shooting, and so her only child was shot, and yet I saw this joy, this faith, this prayer life that so intrigued me that together we formed Hope in Salvation Bridge Builders. H-I-S. That's right. And so that ministry became an agent of restoring individuals who restore their families and ultimately restore inner-city communities. And it became a work of God that God led us now in seven cities nationally and globally through this one relationship that changed the direction of my life. So when she came into my life and Jack was preaching, this is some 20 years ago, God changed the entire direction of my life so that I was doing bridge builders while at Prestonwood. But after 12 years of serving at Prestonwood, this ministry, my right-hand lady in the ministry, was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. She died in six months. So the very thing that drew me, I said, God, I know I have to leave. I have to go. The mysterious ways of God was this woman, Sharon, had set up all of these beautiful plans with bridge builders, but I was so busy doing all these things for God, I couldn't be still and hear the plan of God for really what Bridgewaters was. What is its mission? And the Lord led us in this time of me being still and alone to really hear the plans of God and to see, she said to me, Sharon, when she was just a month or so before she passed into heaven, I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you. So she was holding on for me to hear the call of God to come to the city and surrender to what God had planned for me. So you followed that leading of the Spirit, and, and you came to his bridge builders. Amen. But uh, pick up the story there. Now, by the way, Sharon died of lung cancer? Exactly. The very thing that I was diagnosed with just a few months later. Oh, my goodness. And so the, the Lord showed us as as I left the church— with the church's blessing, this ministry was birthed out of yeah. Prestonwood and Concord, two great churches in the yeah, city of I Dallas. I them both, yeah. So I was seeing this work of God moving through great, great heartache and yet refining my faith of who I believed in and trusted in the plans of God. Mm-hmm. Trust in the Lord. Mm-hmm. He's faithful. He's loving. He's good. He knows what's best. But and when you stepped out in faith to come to his bridge builders, I mean, it wasn't an easy path, was it? No, it was another one of those markers in my, in my life of faith where God said, trust me. And so we sold our home, thinking we would never own a home because this ministry didn't have the resource to pay us to do this. 
We came to the city. We told our kids they probably wouldn't be able to continue to go to Preston Christian Academy, this amazing Christian school. And I remember my kids in the backseat of the car. We have four amazing children now, five by marriage. And my son, Jonathan, after weeping and you know crying with his sister, Grace, was in the back. And we were driving to the inner city that day when we told him. And he says, Dad, it's okay. It's going to be a great adventure of faith. <laughs> you know, sometimes our children lead Let's us. become as little children. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so as we made that step of faith, I remember the first day I drove to the inner city when I left the church and loved these people. This was my family for 30 years. It had changed my life and sent me out. I drove down to the inner city, and on that particular day, nothing was happening in the gym that the city had given us. There's a couple of staff that were sitting playing dominoes, I think, and I'm thinking, Lord, I gave up that for this? And I got in my car, and I wept. I just said, God, I don't get it. Well, then over the next several months, God showed me. I was at a White House faith-based conference here in Dallas, and the man speaking was one of our men that came through our ministry, and the Lord showed me that day on a napkin this beautiful bridge that we would be the training and employment training for people with mentors from the church. We provide jobs. The jobs would then lead to houses. Houses would lead to families. And he he drew this whole plan. And I actually took that plan back to my pastor, Dr. Jack Graham, and I said, Pastor, here's what he's shown me. And Jack said to me, Mike, now I know why you had to leave. I get that. It shows the restored individual and families and ultimately churches being birthed in the inner city through this restorative work of his Bridgewaters. Now, once you have the plan and the vision of God, you think, well, now here comes the provision. All the people are going to (laughs) rally. It's got to be automatic, right? (laughs) It's time. Lord, you've shown us. Let's go. But it was so quiet. We were, we were out of the sight of so many of those whom we loved and the vision did not immediately bring the provision but it brought the provision of God's presence. Mm -hmm. And in that place, I actually got down on my knees again, and in this gift of prayer that Velma Mitchell and Dr. Bob Bakke had been so instrumental in teaching us how to pray, and and I'm still learning, by the way, but it is that prayer that has sustained and guided my life. And I got on my knees, and I told God, Lord, I I can't do this. I, I don't have the resources. I don't have the platform. I need you to show up in a magnificent way and advance this, your vision for the cities. And how did he show up? Three months or so after that prayer, stage four lung cancer. And so I'm praying, and that's the answer to my prayer, is that now all of a sudden my blog that had 30 people following went to 7,000 people. And they kept saying on the blogs, you keep talking about the poor and not the cancer. Because, you see, in my heart, These men and women of the city, they call me daddy. These are my children because these are God's children, and I love them. And I knew that the body of Christ needs to be awakened to the mysterious ways of God. It is through Velma that I awaken to this issue of faith. We we don't awaken to faith by people that have no faith. They trust in the, the world and the network and the things of the world. We awaken to faith by people who live by faith. And the Bible says the poor of this world are rich in faith. And so it is that Christ himself walked among these least and these men of no training, and but they had been with Jesus. And so there it is that they, they meet this God who is so different than what they thought, not the king who would overtake Rome, but the king who would die to self, take up his cross, and follow the will of God so that others might be saved and see the glory of God. And so it was in that journey that as the cancer came now diagnosed at that moment with stage four lung cancer with eight to 18 months to live, that became the reality of my life that apart from God, 
I'm not going to be here past 8 to 18 months. And yet that was 46 months ago today. There's much more to Mike Fetchner's story, and you'll hear it coming up in the second half of today's First Person. One of our partners in ministry is Operation Mobilization, founded by George Verwer. OM mobilizes the church to share the knowledge of Jesus and His love with every generation in every nation. And the staff at OM, representing 95 nationalities, are serving in over 110 countries. For more about the global ministry of Operation Mobilization and the part you can play in proclaiming Christ to the nations, visit firstpersoninterview.com. Click on the link to Operation Mobilization. My guest on First Person today is Mike Fetchner of His Bridge Builders, H-I-S Bridge Builders in Dallas, Texas. We're in Mike's office today, this uh, this neighborhood of Dallas. Describe where we are, Mike. Well, right now we're in West Dallas, and the office that we're in um, was actually a central maintenance plant for the Dallas Housing Authority. Uh, it's a 78,000-square-foot facility that the Housing Authority brought to us and said this could be a place where we could do job training mentoring, social businesses. So it's a place where we really use to make disciples. We we have the incredible example of the Omni Hotel giving us 100 jobs downtown Dallas, just a few miles from here. We would take men from the streets and women and from other ministries like Salvation Army, Dallas Life, mm-hmm. and then partner with them through the Housing Authority, train them in job training. We use the Zig Ziglar Born to Win training, yep. so we're teaching biblical characters in a business way. And then through that, bring mentors from the church, so it's one-on-one relationship that changes both lives, and place them in places like the Omni Hotel, a five-star hotel in downtown Dallas. Very exciting. You can actually see prosperous skyscrapers in Dallas from this location. Absolutely. And yet we're building a bridge of God's love, both with the corporate world, the government working together with the church, to show that through our collaboration together, lives can be changed. Not only the lives of the people of the city, but those who volunteer and the employers who are part of it. Well, I have so many questions and so little time here, Mike, but I will put your website on firstpersoninterview.com. That'd be awesome. And listeners can follow up there. It's exciting to know what God is doing through you in inner-city Dallas and in so many ways. And, and uh, I know there's even a church that's been established here. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll find out more when we go to the website. Now, when we left your story a few moments ago, you had taken this step of faith to come to Bridge Builders and uh, asking God for provision, and he gives you lung cancer and a few months to live. Amen. Pick up the story. From there, the Lord showed us um, through each stage, I'll have to put this in, there's, there's this wonderful gift of prayer that God answers our prayers. And many times we, we don't always know and understand those answers. But as he started revealing to me that this would be a platform that he would give me, even today I'm talking to you, and you're talking about his bridge builders on a radio interview that I would never have talked to you had it not been for stage four lung cancer. Mm. So the Lord continues to show, I'm talking to you as an answer to my prayer to advance this mission to the least, for the church to be awakened to the heart of God for the lost and the least. It's something in my heart the American church 
needs to realize that it's our own it's our own stuff, our, our things of the world that so easily hinders our being the witness that we need to be for the world to how we love the least. And so when the lung cancer came, I remember just as that first couple of months passed, a woman came to my office. I'll never forget this. And she took that James 5.15, the prayer of faith will save the sick and raise him up. And she came in my office, and I was believing the diagnosis of men. And they're wise men. They're men in white coats, and they've been trained, but they're not Jesus, mm. and they're not mm. the master physician. And that woman came and prayed. The word had been planted in me by my pastor. Velma had taught me to pray. My mom, a great grazing prayer warrior. But that woman came and proclaimed to me three months into the journey, by his stripes, you are healed. And it was bold and it was loud. And people outside the office were looking at what is going on in there. And this great woman of faith prayed it. And that day, I believed I was healed. Hmm. I didn't have the evidence of it. But that day, that prayer of faith. So here's a, a, a gift I would give to people. Whatever you're facing, if you pray by faith, the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, you can trust in the sovereignty of God. And I say that to say supernatural. There's nothing that's impossible for God. So God awakened our hearts to this gift of prayer, teaching people to pray. We minister to people all across the country now who are battling incredible odds. But in the midst of that journey, God led me to this. Not only is he a mysterious ways of God, but they're miraculous ways of God. Not everyone is healed, and we'll talk about that. But uh, and you did seek treatment and receive treatment. You Absolutely, went to MD Anderson. Absolutely in Houston. Tell me what happened there with Chemo Church. That's an exciting <laughs> part of your story, Mike. Well, as we went to MD Anderson for six weeks, we've actually been to Cedar Sinai in LA for lung surgery. Have been to MD Anderson for proton treatment. Have been here at UT Southwestern for brain surgery. And all the while, chemo, some treatment from Germany. So the Lord has led and ordered our steps. But in each way of the steps, here's the miracle of God. This ministry to the inner city, he has planted in my heart to expand wherever we go with the cancer. So we go to MD Anderson. I'm there for six weeks. I've held hostages, I would say, (laughs) there for six weeks with nothing to do but treatment. Mm. And the Lord led us first to the third ward. I prayed and said with our teaching pastor, Jarrett Stevens at Prestonwood, came to visit me, as so many of the ministers do, Mike Buster and others. And we went there, and he, I said, let's pray today. I have the day. Let's go drive to the third ward. That's what God put on my heart. There's poor people in every city. Mm. So let's go do what I do. If I'm not going to do it when I'm in another city, yeah. why would I say I this do it This is not home? your hometown. This that's, is Houston. That's Houston. And I, I, by the way, I don't love Houston. I love Dallas. I mean, I'm a Dallas guy. So Houston, I was like, God had to put my love for the love of Houston. You have to be from Texas to understand that's that. That's exactly yeah. right. So I'm there, and we're driving to the third ward, and one of my board members had loaned me his BMW to drive. So I'm driving in a 7 Series white BMW in okay. the hood. Yeah, that'll get some attention. With a guy rolling down my window saying, where are the projects? I go, brother, what are you here to do? I was like, I'm not here to sell drugs, you ding-dong. I'm here to talk about Jesus, sure. But we drive to the third ward, and the miracle of God is I meet a man named Claude. I walk right up to him, and because I'm praying like crazy for my own life, I look in Claude's eyes, and I say, Claude, it's the first time I've ever done this in my life. I put my hand on his heart. Mm. A man in the inner city I've never met. I said, Claude, you don't have Jesus in your heart. You need Jesus in your heart. I can see it in your eyes. He goes, how do you know that? I said, I know. Do you want to receive Jesus? Yes, I want to receive Jesus. He prays right there in the hallway of the housing authority, Cooney Homes, in the third ward to receive Jesus. Mm. I said, Claude, I'm going to meet with you every week. One o'clock, right here. If you don't come, I'm not coming back, but I'll meet with you. He led me to two other amazing men. These two other men led me to a man who 
Dr. E.K. Bailey had mentored as his son in the faith, been there 20 years, knew who I was. We've now planted his bridge builders in the third ward because of this cancer that God is expanding the kingdom. But even inside the walls of the hospital, while you're a patient, God gave you that ministry. Amen. Wherever we are, we are the church. Hmm. It's not a building. It's us. God is in us. And I love what he says in Ephesians 3.20, unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can think or imagine, according to the power at work within you. you. So the miracle was, as I went to the chemo ward, the Lord gave me this vision. I have this chemo going into my body. That was my staff. And I'd walk around in the chemo ward. So you've ward. got the tree. I've got my tree that I'm hanging on to. Right? And I can either sit in my bed and bemoan this situation and get tired and go to sleep, or I can get up and walk and be the light of Christ in that chemo ward. So God led me to start being the pastor to all of those patients whenever I was in the chemo ward, because that's who we are. Well, what a hopeless place too, right? It's one of the darkest places I've ever been. Hmm. I mean, to walk in that, that, that MD Anderson, the lobby, and to see the cancer protruding and coming out of and eyes missing and surgeries and, and to see this darkness and yet the light of Christ is light is brightest in the darkest of places. And it's not just the patients, it's those who have to take care of their needs. Can those you imagine the nurses and the doctors every day having to deliver this message? I can't. And so there's just, everybody's been touched by cancer. So God put in my heart, be the pastor to this chemo church. He brought up chemo church as a name we just, God led us to, to blog about. And the nurses would line up and wait for Pastor Mike to come. They called me that. I didn't call myself that. And they'd put me in a private room and they'd start telling me, go to this patient or this patient. The patient would start coming to me. We start having prayer services right out there in the open lobby. They'd all stop doing everything and pray and praising God because where God is, there is hope. And so the Lord birthed in my heart to start Chemo Church, a ministry to bring hope, help, and healing to those struggling with cancer for not only the patients, but the families and the doctors and the medical staff helping them. And so now today, we're beginning this work of God where my heart was nothing for the, those in the hospitals. I, on a church staff, I think, let someone yeah, else. We, we like to say as far away as we can, right? Go do that. And yet the Lord has showed me that's another part of my hard heart that he has broken and shown me how we can be mm-hmm. the light of Christ. So mm-hmm. now we send cancer patients while battling cancer with these bags of hope, with devotionals, gift cards, the love of Christ, a prayer line, where they can be the light of Christ to others and go and minister instead of be ministered to. I'm hearing over and over again purpose in your suffering. Amen. The fellowship of suffering, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of suffering, dying to self. God uses our suffering as the gateway to bring salvation and hope to others. Know that it is a mysterious gift of God to advance his gospel so that we can identify with the suffering and the hurting around the world. How has it changed you? It's shown me that God has so much more that he has planned for me and that I am my own worst enemy to advancing his kingdom. I pray now, Galatians 2.20, oh, that I, would, that I would know in the midst of everything I'm going through that I'm crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Today's conversation with Mike Fetchner will be archived on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. If you'd like to listen again or recommend what you've heard today to someone else, please go to firstpersoninterview.com and click on the Listen button. In addition to today's interview, you'll find all previous first-person programs there online to listen to at your convenience. Plus, we will place links to his Bridge Builders, the ministry which we talked about with Mike today, at the same place, firstpersoninterview.com. 
And thank you for taking the time to join us today. First Person exists to tell the stories of people whose lives have been transformed by Jesus Christ and in doing so, point others to the same eternal hope in life. To leave a comment or suggestion following today's program, you can visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. That's facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. Next week, our guest will be John Stone Street of Summit Ministries and the Colson Center for Christian Worldview. Join us then. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd, inviting you back next week for First Person. Music.